My name is Molly McCartney. I'm an intuitive medium, the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Empower Your Wisdom, and the founder of the Empowered Wisdom School. This show was created for women who wish to trust their intuition so they can follow their higher calling and their bliss without fear, doubt, and disempowering relationships holding them back. If you're a spiritual woman with a business or career in any field and a higher calling you've been working towards, and you want to be featured on the show to inspire others with your story, go to empoweredwisdomshow.com. For now, please enjoy today's show, and don't forget to subscribe for daily inspiration from our very special guests. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Wisdom Hour. My name is Molly McCartney, your host, and today I am here with Elizabeth Inton. Inton sorry. Um, she is the host of the What the Fuck Hap- Just Happened podcast and the book, Exploring the Evidence of the Afterlife and uh, Psychic Connection. So uh, she's an evidentialist, uh, more than a woo-woo person. She likes to really explore the actuality of what's happening Um, And she's going to tell us more about that. So our theme today is science, spirituality, and success. Uh, We're also going to talk about how, you know, connecting with our intuition and spiritual energy can help, can lead us to more success in in many areas of life. So welcome, Elizabeth. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. You glitched out a little bit there, but I think I, we got you. Um, okay. so no, no worries. Um, so, um, tell us what your kind of what your mission is with, the the podcast and the book, and, you know, we'll talk about kind of why you started a little later, but what is it that you're so you're passionate about in terms of being an evidentialist, uh, sharing this wisdom, sharing the, the studies that you find in, in all of this about spiritual activity and, um, evidence of an afterlife. I guess I consider myself an atheist, really skeptical, never would consider there being anything valid to anything like mediumship abilities, afterlife or anything. And then when I started to examine it, I was just so blown away. I mean, to me, it was the most mind blowing body of evidence that I could ever even imagine existed. And I just, as I went further and further, kept thinking I was going to find the catch. I just I mean, to me, it was just the most transformative information. And I just felt like I want people maybe who are in grief themselves or dealing with their own mortality to just see that there's another way to approach all this that has nothing to do with religion, not even really very much to do with a spiritual or belief-based approach that just, okay, this is the body of evidence. This is what happened to me. This is what I've learned. This is who I met. And I think I can make a very logical based argument from what I say is a preponderance of evidence that we're more than just this material body. Wow. That's cool. And how have you come across that evidence? You mentioned a couple of things that, you know, maybe it's studies that you found or or professionals that work in the field, but also your own healing journey. So how has that all played into your kind of resolve to get this out there and share with, share it with people? I mean, how I started to find it in the first place. I yeah. Mean, and, just... and what, what, what kind of studies, how, yeah, just kind of how you came upon oh, wow. it and, and how it evolved, you know, in a nutshell, <laughs> in a nutshell, my very first thought was if, because this is what I thought at the time that if our consciousness is created by a brain material brain and 
when you die, that's it. And it created me experiencing a life once. Why could that never happen again? Not me, Liz, same person, but why could I just not have an experience that would be a me of consciousness again? And while that seems not as good as getting to have a continuation and see the people you love again, it's certainly a lot better than just thinking you have this one shot and you're obliterated 100%. So that just seemed logical. So I Googled basically that and I found these child psychiatrists. Um, one has passed away, Dr. Ian Stevenson, and then currently Dr. Jim Tucker. They're child psychiatrists, professors at the University of Virginia. And from that, just in a nutshell, much more in-depth than this, I discovered a whole research department at the University of Virginia that is studying this type of material. Kids with past life memories, um, studies on psychic mediums. I found another place called the Winbridge Institute that does that as well. They're studying near-death experiences, all from a very logical, as you said, non-woo perspective. So from there, I just delved in further and further and just you know, tried to keep a very combination of open mind and logical mind. And after mm-hmm. getting some of my own medium readings, meeting some of the researchers, just in-depth studying more, not even planning to write a book. I mean, I wasn't going to tell anyone. I thought this was so weird. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I'm telling nobody. And <laughs> it's kind of like uh, just... telling people you are a medium that's on my side. Yes, <laughs> like, oh gosh, right. what are they going to say about that? But it's true. When it's true, yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's, that's part of the, the challenge as this stuff, you know, this kind of, we're awakening to this, trying to describe it in scientific terms. You know, they say, um, magic is just stuff science hasn't described yet, or, you know, kind of categorized. And so it's very similar to that, this, this work that I do. And it sounds like what you found is that if, if they do enough research and, and figure it out to a certain degree, it's something that will give it a, a kind of a ground to stand on in terms of the public consciousness. So I love it. I love what you're That's doing and so- spreading this because to me, that was such a, a hard part of coming out of the spiritual closet with my gifts is like, uh, oh, people are going to think I'm weird or I'm making it up or I'm fraud. It's like, no, but I do this. It happens. I can't explain it. I don't know why everybody else can't do it. Um, but I think that's really, really interesting. So, and you mentioned in, in your application to come on the show that you, you experienced the loss of your father was, did that play into your interest in this or was it, did it come up before that as well? That was a hundred percent this. I mean, of course, I think we all have a vested interest in knowing this. I mean, I knew I was going to die one day. I knew I was going to die. I'd known other people who died or animals, but this was by far the most significant loss I'd ever experienced. And so it was hundred percent without this, I wouldn't have even ever started mm. this exploration. Yeah. 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 When we lose a loved one, it, it's often, not only do we deal with the grief of losing them, but our own dealing with our own mortality. Uh, I've noticed that, you know, when people pass, that's, that's a big part of that scared process. You know, when, when we experience a loss, it's like, oh yeah, this is temporary. Oh yeah. So what next? And if we don't have any kind of theory or any kind of belief around what's next, that, that passage that we call death is pretty scary. So, um, how did, how did your research help you heal from the grief that you experienced? And as you found kind of some answers for yourself about, uh, the continuity of life. 
I mean, it was transformative. Like, I will say, I think there's a misconception that healing means your grief goes away. It never goes away. It's always going to be there. And some days still are hard and probably will be the rest of my life. But I mean, it's just so much less bleak. Like, imagine, I kind of have, I guess, twofold part of this. Like, imagine someone you love is like, I'm moving away. You're never going to see me. I'm never going to, I'm cutting off the internet. I'm cutting off all communication. And you just are like, I'm never going to see you again. And then like a month later, they're like, oh, by the way, no, I just decided I'm going to be here for like three years and then I'll be back. You know? So, I mean, it was kind of like that, like you'll miss them a lot over those three years, but to think that there's a high probability that I'll see him again, plus just having thought that there was basically zero chance of an afterlife it was just something that seemed absurd I never gave it thought it was just silly and to think that I mean I can't think of anything I would want more in the whole world like if someone was like do you want a trillion dollars or do you want to to be able to live again after you die and not be completely wiped out I would choose not be completely wiped out so it's just it was just so beyond something I ever could have even fathomed as being possible that that just brought me joy and that was such a powerful joy that that really kind of counteracted just this horrible bleakness of a loss plus I met just really amazing people along this research and some have become close friends and mentors and important people in my life that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it really is about how it changes our energy, you know, our thoughts affect that and what we understand as our knowledge affects that as well. So I think that's really interesting. And, and that also goes into how we follow our t- intuition. So, you know, there's, I, 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 I believe it's all connected, you know, communication from the other side comes through the same channel as say intuition or some kind of higher guidance from a higher part of ourselves. Um, so Tell me a little bit about your development in that regard. Uh, you mentioned that you had kind of a competitive childhood. You went to toxic schools and kind of had to fight your way through that logical world. And now you're starting to turn more towards that balance between listening to your intuition to not kind of go along with things that insult your soul or, or you know, aren't right for your spirit. Um, so tell me about that transition and, and how that happened for you. Yeah, I mean, this it's sort of been a life, not a lifetime, but like a sense getting to college and getting out of those schools, healing of that. Um, I guess I just felt when I was in my nursery school, I'm not actually, sorry, I love my nursery school. Once I started my kindergarten, aside from like maybe two teachers, my first and second grade year that made it much better experience. It was, it was just a horrible traumatic experience and very like authoritarian school and it was supposed to be like one of the best New York private elementary schools and it was supposed to be more artistic and warm that's why my parents chose it and it was kind of became this gaslighting thing I'll say they even getting got gaslit and all this of being said oh but this is the best school this is going to make her whole life and so it was me just going in this place that was I would say almost like cult-like abusive you know I mean maybe that's a little extreme but you know I'm happy to elaborate on why I've concluded that but just having to turn off all my intuition that this thing is horrible for me and telling myself this is going to make my whole life and that's a very like 
hard, a very toxic lesson, especially when you're so young, like this term when I was five. And then my high school, it, it, the school itself was better, but I'd still, for who I am, considered it very, very toxic. It was like turning off. I had some wonderful teachers in high school. You know, I had a group of friends that I really cared about and had, and had a really good time with at the time. But overall, you know, it was still, I found it very like my having to stop doing everything I liked. And then there were still a lot of people, a lot of the other kids that I felt really were very toxic and antithetical to who I am. I'm not talking about my specific group, but it was very competitive or, you know, I was in academic classes all day and then having to do like a sports team or be in the school play and then study all night and just giving everything. I mean, I partied and like drank and had fun on the weekends in high school, but still like, that's just more release and fun. My real interests were like art and I love entrepreneurship. And it was just like turning off every interest to like just excel at this stuff that had nothing to do with me. So, but I was being told this was one of the best schools in the world. So learning that none of that matters. It's like, if it doesn't feel right, who cares if it's like the best? And I noticed I was playing that out some in my jobs, like working my original um, job. And I started originally as a blog in college and interned in college in fashion. And some of the places in fashion were creative and wonderful and some places and people I worked for were very toxic, but I was being told this is, you know, I'm learning. And I was, by that point, I was doing that to myself. And as time's gone on, I'm like, I don't care how good a label it is. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not doing it. And that's been a really tough lesson because the other was so embedded. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And and you mentioned, you said you would be glad to elaborate and, you know, in a nutshell, sure. what kind of stuff, because that, that really set you up for the way that you viewed reality for a long time. If you had, you know, punishments for not, you know, writing your paper a certain way or, or writing cursive a certain way, I, you know, who knows what it was, but uh, because to me, it points to the way that the world is built around this kind of logical linear thought process of if you do this, then success. But what kind of things did you go through that? Uh, well, at my elementary school um, and my high school was not punitive or punishing. It was just to clarify, it was just completely demanding about stuff that wasn't who I am. I mean, maybe like three classes a day. And then if I'd gotten to intern in like a fashion magazine, art gallery or a startup, I would have loved it. It was just giving up every part of myself for something that wasn't really who I am. But I would say elementary school, um, it was very erratic. It was like a very shame-based school. And from what I had heard, it had been very creative. And at that point, they got like a new board and they were like, we can be the most competitive school in the city. We can be the best school. I mean, these are like five to 12 year olds. It's insane. But as a result, like, yeah, there were some lovely kids, but some very just toxic teachers. I mean, I just remember in third grade, this, I mean, she was just crazy. This teacher screaming at me for like 15 minutes. Cause I took two pieces of paper instead of one and screaming, like, I'm fed up to here with you. And she was just, that oh, was my. just the atmosphere of the school. Like be very in line, like shirts tucked in everyone in uniform, just very like, you know, in line, don't, go out of the line don't break this rule and there were certainly lovely individual teachers but it was like one of those things where that type of like 
shaming, don't be 30 seconds late. I mean, no startup runs that way, you know? I mean, <laughs> no really successful business. I mean, it just, that was illogical. You had to be in it exactly the second to sit quietly in a room until classes started. I mean, there was, it was just all about sort of rules and structure and shame rather than creativity and interest and you know and illogical rules and it just I mean there's so much more about him actually I'm writing a book about this too that'll be out in a different brand than what the fuck but yeah. So cool. yeah, I mean, it's that summarizes. This, absolutely. It does. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I know it's sure. hard to go back there when, I mean, that's, it's abuse, you know, it's a certain type of oh, abuse yeah. where, you know, you're going and I'm going to school. I'm a little kid. And then, you know, I didn't sign up for the army. It's, it's, you know, it becomes this, you know, very militant um, environment where you feel ashamed for just being yourself. And there's one thing, uh, discipline is difficult, you know, it's, it's difficult, but I think at a certain level, and I'm not sure your age, but I, it may have been worse back then than it is now, but who knows? <laughs> so there's definitely, I think, ways that um, things are being restructured because the even teachers aren't happy with that, you know, and it's not helping children. It's not so, so it's, it's a messy space. And I certainly am not an expert in that, but I, I feel like it's important to acknowledge at least how it affected us. Because as you move on, you mentioned, you mentioned startups, but you also mentioned, you know, that, that kind of bowing to the logic or having to bow to the logic and some kind of early in your career, uh, partnering with people who weren't the best fit. And did you happen to notice a pattern between, you know, listening to that logical side, if I do this, I will be successful. And then partnering with people that you felt that you were not intuitively aligned with later down the road. Oh, a hundred percent, especially in some of the people I assisted. Um, I assisted some wonderful people too. So, you know, I really kind people like I, for example, I was like a few people's assistant at Glamour Magazine who were just some of the best people I've ever met. And they were such great mentors. So if they're listening, I don't ever want them to think that's them, but there were some other people. I assisted freelance stylists while I was launching my fashion startup that I'd actually started as a blog originally in school and then was expanding it and you know and it was just uh, you know there what this is because you're talking about intuition and I think our intuition is very physical so when I had to go to that elementary school and it's starting at five crying every day and but being told this was good and everything feeling wrong in my body by the time you know and even getting worse, there's a little bit of a respite in first and second grade because my specific teachers were so lovely, even though the rest of the school was pretty terrifying whenever we had to step out of the homeroom. But, you know, by the time, you know, I got to third grade, fourth grade, just all those signals in my body I'd gotten used to that I didn't know they were all telling me everything's wrong, everything's wrong. You know, it's kind of like if you, you know what? So just all the signals that if that hadn't happened, I think I would have been like, it's not okay to feel this way, but I didn't know that. And good point. I, we adjust yeah. to that awkward feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at first it feels terrible. And then it's just becomes your default. So you don't realize this is absolutely unacceptable as well as the, I will add a logical part to it. Like when you've had so much of that, you don't necessarily think this is not okay. Not only your physical intuition, but you think this is how the world works. So you just have to be tough and put up with it. Mm -hmm. 
That makes total sense. And so with that and kind of reprogramming yourself to listen to that inner voice and that inner feeling, sounds like you've got a lot of uh, clairsentience going on or claircognizance if it's, if you experience it in your body like that. So it's like, I know this, if I have this uh, odd feeling in my stomach, that's a no, or that constriction, or like my shoulders are getting tight. Like there's something going on here. Um, So how has that changed? And um, what kind of challenges have you faced as, as you've listened to your intuition more and, and sort of seen the value in that in your personal relationships? Um, I think I'm not lying to myself anymore where I'm not like, oh, I don't feel right, but this person is good because of X, Y, Z. Like there's no logical reason to not feel right with them. And I think I've been attracting people that are more and more me. And I think one of the things I also told myself was even if someone you're getting bad feelings with someone, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that person. Maybe they're just not aligned with you. Just, it's almost the same as dating. Like if I go on a date with a guy, he might be one of the best guys in the world. He might make one of the best husbands, but it doesn't mean I would be attracted to him. So I started to see people like that. And when I didn't make it like a moral, good, bad, this person's a good person or a bad person or but just they're not for me. And some of the best people in the world might just not be for me, even as friends. And I think that allowed me to not talk myself out of that feeling. And I think along with that, I also realized that I am very social and I love having a lot of people around me. And some just might not be right to have as deeper friendships or as business partners or, and that's okay too. So realizing kind of that it's okay to be with people and be realistic about who they are too and know that maybe they're not going to be your best friend. And so it's been learning to listen to that and not kind of talk myself out of those feelings. And it's a process. It's in process. If I'm not saying it perfectly, it's because I'm still putting it together some, but I've noticed that I've been finding the people that are more and more me and having more time for them because I'm not as spread thin that's great. That's great. And, and you mentioned also, and I've, I've certainly been through similar transitions in my life. Um, and, and in, in between those times, you know, as the new is coming in, or maybe you're meeting people that are more vibrationally aligned with you, but you are not spending as much time together. Maybe they're doing their work in another place or they're busy. Um, so you have kind of an open space and, and that's maybe where we tend to fill that space with people that aren't a match because we're lonely or because we, we just need that interaction. So have you found that to be a challenge that you're facing during this transition? Sometimes. Um, I think, I mean, I have found some great people and at the same time, I think it's been a challenge, but it kind of plays into what I said, where I'm like, it's okay just to kind of surround myself with people that aren't my perfect people for fun, as long as I am honest with myself about that. And I think that's helped me a lot too. And then sometimes, you know, I I think intuitions and maybe people who have better, like, you know, our intuitives will disagree, but intuition sometimes hasn't been a hundred percent either. And there are people I met where I'm like, well, that just I think I'll be a surface person. And then as I've spent a little more time, I'm like, oh no, they're really, they could really be like a close, close friend. And I just hadn't realized that. And, you know, sometimes people evolve too. And people that you never would have been friends with as you evolve in different ways, become close friends too. And 
you know, kind of trying to keep that openness. But I think, I think there's something about like, if you're having that loneliness, knowing that a lot of acquaintances aren't really going to fill that and that's okay. And, but it still might be better than just, you know, for someone who's super extroverted, like me might be better than being totally alone socially, but also not lying to myself that these are going to be like my deep inner circle. Cause then that feels very lonely. So there's something about, I guess, having an honesty with myself, if that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. And that's, that can be, you know, it sounds mm-hmm. like you went, we're going through a transition to where your intuition or your maybe natural mm-hmm. attraction to someone would be high or low, depending. Sometimes that's because of the past, you know, that's something that comes up with my clients often is like, well, I have this, you know, am I making, number one, am I making it up? Number two, is it because of my past? And number three, like, how can I trust it? And, and sometimes yeah. in that transition, we get to know what that true intuition really feels like. And it sounds like that's, that's something as you go through this transition that's happening. And I I pulled a few cards for you just to kind of help you along on that, if you don't mind. Sure. Oh, I love that. Let's do Uh, it. All right, cool. So um, it definitely looks like you're coming out of a time of soul retrieval, which is gathering your power, which was not easy. There were um, roadblocks in the way, maybe some distractions, um, but also there was, you know, a big opportunity to start asking these bigger questions. Um, but I feel like I'm not sure what it is about, um, kind of, again, getting distracted from the bigger goal. Um, I'm going to get quiet for just a moment and see if I can feel into that a little bit more. Um, I hear the, the term staying on the move. So it's almost like staying on the move instead of sometimes settling in certain places. Um, and I know you did, you did disclose to me that you are between New York and LA, but I'm almost seeing like uh, traveling, like not just going back and forth between cities, but kind of staying busy. So um, I feel like there, the opportunity in this, if there was any kind of d- uh, disappointment, it was to show you again, what's most important to you, because you are very much on a path of um, becoming self-actualized and listening to your intuition as who you really are and speaking from that. Cause right now we're even talking about it as if it's a thing that's a part of our mind but when we start speaking as that part, it's like being your core self, you know, being that absolute truth that lives within you. So that's really what you're doing. And, and your soul retrieval and pulling yourself back is not only from your childhood, but I do see presently some challenges with um, generational patterns, um, whether that's on, it may, may be, you know, still some unhealed stuff from dad, but I also see some stuff on mom's side and it's, it's nobody's fault. Nobody, there's no, you know, nothing terrible there, but it's just habits of maybe giving the self away or, um, or living in logic a little bit more than honoring the others, or like it has to be religion or, or logic and nothing in between. Um, so really there's no wrong way for you to find this path. As long as you keep asking the questions. Um, and I do see that these opportunities will continue to show up for you um, in divine timing. So trusting that is really important and getting a spiritual practice for yourself would be very helpful in terms of just tuning into it, um, on a regular basis, something like yoga meditation, something that's very accessible for you to even do at home. I don't necessarily see you going places to do this, but something that you can, you can get into. Um, I do see you like nature, but you're not a huge nature girl. Um, that's something I often recommend to people like go out, walk in the woods. And it's like a little bit of that, but mostly it's just having that quiet moment all by yourself. 
um, and doing a practice again, like yoga or, or like a steady meditation for like 10, 20 minutes a day. Um, but definitely you're coming into a time of listening to um, something that's been bugging you and, and you've been feeling like you need to do this um, and kind of make a, a final decision about it. Um, this feels definitely involved in either a location um, that you want to visit for a while or be in um, having to do with a relationship. And so just be really honest with yourself and, and stick with your confidence. You don't need this to, um, you don't need it to be happy, but it's, there's really an opening up to free will choice and creating your reality with your intuition. I think, you know, I don't know how much work you've done or study you've done on manifestation, law of attraction, that kind of stuff. It's kind of like the, one of the sisters and brothers to, um, to mediumship work and intuition. But the more that you listen to that intuitive part of yourself, the more you're going to start seeing things in your life work out like very magically. And I can see that being another path of research that you would be very interested in. Thank you. That was so interesting. I was, <laughs> yeah, I related to that a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Well, Thank I look you. forward to seeing what you do with that because uh, we need cheerleaders on this side of uh, the cheerleaders for the woo allies. You're a woo woo ally. I woo ally. I like that. Okay. That's what I should say. Like a skeptical ally. Yes. Or something. <laughs> That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yes. So, so yeah. So, um, so what's next for you? You know, according to the readings, some things are, are coming up next. Are you, um, you said you're working on a book for, um, the inner child stuff. Is that something that's far along or um, maybe yeah, inner child well, stuff, but yeah, I'm working on like a couple more books. I'm working on another, like what the fuck part two and what the fuck part three, because it's just such a long story that, you know, <laughs> it just sort of cuts off still in the early stages. I'm working on my podcast and yeah, I'm working on um, another book. I wouldn't call it inner child because it's not going to be like, mm. have anything like spiritual or inner working. It's just going to be basically, it's kind of like a, this shit actually went down type of book. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. it's a bit of creative nonfiction because I'm adding just little bits of sort of imagining what happened behind the scenes about some things but most of it's true and I'm disguising like a few people and you know maybe being a little nicer than I need to be but you know and protecting some people who maybe didn't you know I mean we we're children they didn't handle things very well but were in possible situations and they were friends of mine and yeah. just protecting them so but it's basically the truth of what happened in this crazy story and what they said even like you know we started in kindergarten and I heard like you know that 20 years later even like from five to like when we were 25 they were saying this was the worst class they've ever seen they couldn't believe it and they hated the principal which sometimes you know never had had mistress I guess sometimes when it comes down from the top it just can create a whole toxic atmosphere as well as some stuff that was going on in the board we're trying to turn this into like a successful business so it's kind of a bit of a it's telling what happened but a bit of a theory that like what comes from the top really can spoil a whole atmosphere and mm -hmm. but mainly my focus right now is on what the fuck and yeah. getting that out there and doing some other entrepreneurship projects that I'm working on I love that very that cool. are a little different but business-based so nice well I look forward to seeing what you have to say about kind of intuitive living and stuff because I definitely feel like that's coming up mm -hmm. and some stuff coming up in your life is going to be um, definitely informing that. So I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Oh my God. Thank you so much. This was such a wonderful 
experience and so appreciated the reading. That was such an amazing surprise and so needed. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And so if people want to find you and your books and your podcasts, where can they go? It's um, wtfjusthappened.net. And you can find my books. You can, my podcast is on all podcast apps, but you can link to them from my website. You can find my Instagram. You can link to my book, which is either on Amazon or you can buy a signed copy from me. And also I'm always open to any questions. If anyone ever wants to email or message me on Instagram, just reach out. Nice. Very cool. Well, thanks sure. again for being on this show, Miss Elizabeth. And um, I'll look forward to talking to you again sometime. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to hear more from our wise and wonderful guests, make sure you subscribe for daily interview content. And here's three ways I can help empower your wisdom for free. Number one, grab your copy of my Empower Your Life workbook. It will help you honor your inner voice, make way for new visions, and live with intention. Go to empoweredwisdomshow.com forward slash workbook to get your copy today. Two, if you're a woman with a well-established business or career and your intuition is nudging you to go in a more spiritual direction, we want to interview you on this show. Head to empoweredwisdomshow.com. Three, listen and subscribe to our sister podcast, The Empowered Wisdom Hour, for free teachings, guided meditation, and channeled wisdom to help you thrive. You can listen on Apple, Spotify, and most major podcast platforms. At Empowered Wisdom Coaching, we help intuitive, spiritual, and high-achieving women who feel disempowered by self-doubt and relationship patterns realize their power and go for what they want without holding back. If you're ready to release doubt, fear, and disempowering relationships so you can follow your calling and your bliss the intuitive way, book a call to see how I can help. Go to mollymccartney.com forward slash chat.